Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, the original additive manufacturing podcast, and your source for news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and today we're joined by McNano Director of Technology, Olga Ivanova. Ivanova joined McNano in 2021, while the company was still in stealth and had yet to commercialise its proprietary technology that disperses carbon nanotubes throughout materials without reclumping. In the years since, McNano has brought to market a range of materials via this method, all featuring electrostatic discharge properties. Throughout our conversation, Ivanova discusses this portfolio of materials, the challenges of working across resin, powder and extrusion 3D printing technologies, and provides her assessment of the adoption of these products so far. We also touch on the availability of materials for 3D printing, and Ivanova shares her thoughts on industry hype. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly additive insight newsletter for free. Olga, welcome to the Additive Insight podcast. You've been working in additive manufacturing for over a decade now and you've been with McNano um, for a couple of years. Can you talk us through your your background and your career path, I guess, from the beginnings to the point at which you joined McNano? Absolutely. My name is Olga Ivanova, also known as Dr. O, and I currently serve as the Director of Applications and Technology at McNano. I hold a PhD in chemistry with a focus on nanomaterials, and while exploring options, for a postdoctoral position, my aim was to delve into a new technology or scientific field while making significant contributions to a team. During this pursuit, I came across a job opening at Virginia Tech that focused on nanocomposites for 3D printing. Despite having no prior knowledge about the field, I devoted my time to understanding technology through extensive research, including reading scientific literature, watching videos of various processes, you name it. It did not take long for me to develop an intense fascination with the technology, and I seized the opportunity, successfully secured the position at Virginia Tech, which marked the beginning of my journey in the realm of additive manufacturing. And what a journey it has been. I got a chance to work on numerous projects, mainly focus on materials development for various applications, such as textiles, medical devices, decoy flares. I also had a great run with Open Additive, focusing on the applications development for laser powder bed fusion. And during that time at Open Additive, McNano's CEO, Stephen Lauder, reached out to me and shared some early stage results on introducing discrete carbon nanotubes into additive manufacturing materials. I was impressed with the results presented and the opportunity to work on nanocomposites again was extremely attractive to me. And here I am three years later. 
<laughs> so when you when you joined McNano, I, I think the company was was still in stealth, or at least not an awful lot was known about the company at, at that point. What was it that kind of attracted you to to the role and to the company, and I guess to the opportunity um, with the you know clearly working with nanotubes was was pretty much a new thing in in AM. So what was it that kind of attracted you to to getting involved with that? I think it's going back to the combination of my formal training in nanomaterials and combining it with passion towards additive manufacturing that that was the main selling point and yes you're right McNano was in a stealth mode i believe for around eight months since i joined the company back in 2020 and we came out at amag in 2021 and in terms of um you know the the carbon nanotube technology that the company is bringing to market what what do you think is the, I guess, the impact of of what carbon nanotubes in additive manufacturing materials can have? Yeah, let me let me walk you through a little bit on carbon nanotubes in general briefly mm-hmm. before I jumped into where McNano comes in. Um, McNano focuses on advancement of additive materials with carbon nanotubes. Carbon nanotubes are a class of carbon allotropes, much like graphene or diamond. We all love diamonds, shiny. What sets them apart is their nano-sized cylindrical structure, which can be imagined as... I'm going to show it on a paper, even though we're not recording the videos. <laughs> as a rolled-in sheet of graphene. And this unique structure gives them exceptional properties, most notably an outstanding ten- tensile strength that can surpass steel by a factor of 100. Moreover, they exhibit exceptional electrical and thermal conductivity. Although carbon nanotubes possess these impressive attributes, they have a tendency to aggregate into clumps during the manufacturing process. And in this clump state, they're unable to effectively transfer their properties to the matrix materials they introduced to, resulting in a performance similar to a carbon block, but at much higher cost. McNano's technology, known as defunc, is centered around overcoming this natural tendency of carbon nanotubes to agglomerate by achieving a discrete state and subsequently functionalizing sidewalls to prevent reagglomeration, which in turn leads to performance enhancements and enables the introduction of new properties such as conductivity and thus broadening the range of applications for additive manufacturing materials. So in terms of the, the you know, the defunct process that you mentioned there, um, kind of addressing the challenges of, of the of the clumping that, that you mentioned, what can you tell us about the technology that enables this? I obviously understand that McNano will want to keep some things <laughs> to themselves, but what are you able to tell us about the process that allows the, you know, the clumping to not occur in, in the printing process? Uh, a lot of it is chemistry, mm-hmm. but in general, it's a three-stage 
process that I can describe without revealing any proprietary information. Mm-hmm. Uh, first is clean carbon nanotubes. When they're synthesized, it's typically um, in the presence of a catalyst. It's iron based particles and that metal particles uh, simply present in the carbon nanotubes when you harvest them. So we clean out the catalyst so it's pure carbon at the end of the day. Then we, as we call it, debundle them. That is very proprietary process. It's separating them and unclumping the clumps, let's put it this way, and as I mentioned, uh, the last stage is uh, functionalizing carbon nanotubes with a certain molecules that will prevent them reagglomerating in the different matrices. And we've done uh, from water and simple solvents to epoxies, acrylates, urethanes. We introduce them in the powders and pellets. It's it, there is a lot of can I say hardcore in the podcast? There is a lot of hardcore <laughs> chemistry goes in into the processes because uh, the main the main goal is to match the thermodynamics of the carbon nanotubes to the thermodynamics of the polymer or solvent matrix you introduce it to. And when I'm talking about thermodynamics, it's when you shrink down the material to a nanoscale, the surface energy of that material is so high. Mm-hmm. So naturally, they just want to aggregate. As oh, one of my friends in the industry, he likes me saying, they like to party together. <laughs> and it applies not only to carbon nanotubes, it applies to any nanomaterial in general. I worked a lot in metal nanoparticles and quantum dots, and they exhibit exactly the same behavior because of that high surface energy. And they want to minimize the surface energy, hence agglomerating or joining together. That's what minimizes it. But then they lose their unique properties. Mm. So you have to keep them apart. And that's where the chemistry side comes in. You mentioned that kind of applying the, the this technology to various materials and various processes. Um, I think from my understanding, McNano kind of has, has applied the technology mostly to, to resin or, or jetting based technologies. But then in, in the PK ESD material, that's a that's an SLS powder. Then there's a PC ESD pellet uh, for pellet extrusion. Can you explain, I guess, the the challenges involved in applying the technology to various um, processes, whether it be resin or powder or or pellets? And I guess the how you how you work through the roadmap on that. How do you decide you go whether you go resin first or powder first, and and so on. We started as a master batch company Mm. and uh, master batches are highly concentrated carbon nanotube dispersions that I used for uh, formulators to develop their own materials. Mm -hmm. And you you mentioned uh, ESD and you write our core focus centers on ESD products, and there is a reason for that. Uh, the initial, initial 
concept of integrating discrete carbon nanotubes into additive manufacturing materials was to enhance their properties. It's mechanical properties mainly, it's tensile strength impact. However, through the interaction with additive manufacturing community, extensive market research, the ideas evolved substantially, especially when we started to work on functionalized carbon nanotubes and validating initial material for formulations, we began to grasp the magnitude of the market gap that could be filled by offering the nano-uniform static dissipative resins. Because at that time, back in 2020, there were no options for VAT photopolymerization ESD-safe materials. It was limited to filaments and powders. Thus, we started to provide master batches to our formulator partners as a strong foundation for creating innovative materials. And through this collaborative approach, we successfully introduced a range of VAT photopolymerization ESD products just in the last three years. Uh, it includes uh, rigid resins. We have three of them that cover uh, <clears throat> various temperature requirements essential for room, bake, and interconnect processes in the electronics industry. And as you mentioned, this year we enhanced our portfolio with introduction of materials for laser sintering and pellet extrusion. Uh, PKESD, polyketone powder for laser sintering, we launched with our partners at Jabil and Farsoon and polycarbonate ESD pellets with our partners at Arborg. Challenges are very different when we talk about different classes of materials. Uh, in the resin state, the dispersion quality and stability is the highest priority because we do not want to see carbon nanotubes agglomerating or settling down in a vat for the polymerization machines over time. Uh, pellets, pellets and powders are a completely different game because those are thermoplastic materials. And for the powder side specifically, we have a very unique process of introducing carbon nanotubes to the powders. We do not uh, blend it in or mix it in with powders. We actually generate a coating on top of the uh, virgin powder. In our case, was polyketone, and we worked with others as well um, that hush-hush uh, undercover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we generate the coating, and you can imagine it as a core shell structure. And like a fruit with the seed inside your virgin powder or matrix powder is a core and then you generate a shell on top with carbon nanotubes and we can finally control the coating thickness to achieve the desired performance metrics in this case was static dissipative performance what's unique about discrete carbon nanotubes though in any of the product lines is that nano uniform esd performance and when we talk nano-uniform, it means that whatever uh, part of the component you're measuring the static dissipative performance on, it's within one order of magnitude. A lot of materials in the market, it ranges from 10 to 3, 10 to the 9 ohms in the surface resistance. 
we consistently on 10 to the 6, 10 to the 7. That's what discrete carbon nanotubes bring as an advantage while adding to the materials. Mm -hmm. Does it answer your question? Yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> I went all over the place with this one. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, you mentioned um, working with Jabel on the, the PK ESD um, SLS material. Can you provide some insight into, into that collaboration? How does a a partnership with a, with another kind of materials provider like like Jabel Engineered Materials work exactly? Who comes to who, and and I guess what what is the marriage between what you guys do and what those guys have done with with that PK material? Well, Jabel introduced PK as alternative for uh, polyamide uh, PA11 and PA12. Uh, polyketone is uh, unique. Polymer in in that regard, it's very close to polyamides and very close to POM. It takes advantages of both in terms of mechanical performance and wear resistance, and it's very green to manufacture. That is a big deal for PK while being price competitive compared to nylons. Frankly, when we work with other material suppliers, who comes to whom, I don't even remember anymore. It it kind of it goes both ways. Sometimes it's McNana who approaches uh, material manufacturers. Sometimes it's the other way around. I would say it's a good 50-50% mix. And in in this case, uh, Jabil uh, desired to have an uh, static dissipative option as a material and. That's how project started. We received the powder, we coated it, we tested it. Uh, that's when Farsoon come into the picture as well, because we do not own laser sintering machines. And we rely strongly on our partners. And uh, off we go with the new material. I was going to ask about uh, testing and how you kind of <clears throat> go from formulating the materials in, in your labs to then kind of offering them as, as commercial products. What does that testing process typically Im involve? And, and and since you mentioned working with partners, how much of it is done internally and how much of it relies on, on other external partners? When it comes to VAT photopolymerization, we do it internally. We have uh few machines here available with open parameters that we can develop parameters for our resins and uh, do uh, performance testing, mm -hmm. whether it's mechanical, thermal, electrical, um, you name it, really. Whatever is required to, to release the technical data sheet, depending on what kind of material family it is, rigid or high temperature or flexible or elastic, there are different uh, type of tests for each. Uh, we do it a lot internally. With powders and pellets, we do rely on our partners. Uh, that's, there is this uh, material manufacturer to hardware manufacturer partnerships. So those needs to be obviously established mm -hmm. to to overcome the barriers of not owning the equipment. <clears throat> And it's it's been a good ride. It's been a good. We have really good, reliable partners. Our work on the pellet extrusion were extremely helpful 
and just pleasant to work with. Same with Jabil and Farsoon. It just really good teams that uh, keep pushing the technology and materials and hardware forward. In terms of the adoption of, of the materials um, that McNano has, has been bringing to market over the last few years, how would you assess the, the kind of uptake of, of those materials? And, and is it has it been difficult bringing new products to market, you know, materials with with these kind of carbon nanotubes incorporated and enhancing the ESD properties? Has it been difficult and challenging to convince users to adopt these materials or has it been a case of, you know, in some scenarios, this is exactly what they've been looking for and actually it's been an easy sell to these to these manufacturers? It, it was a mix of everything and mm. in between. <laughs> <laughs> At the outset, the adoption rate of our technology was relatively slow. Mm. Uh, however, through collaborative efforts with our partners, and I'm going to keep mentioning them over and over, <laughs> and diligent promotion, the level of interest experienced a significant surge. The electronics industry specifically boasts a myriad of components that necessitate static dissipative capabilities and until recently additive manufacturing was confined to fabricating only components in larger sizes lacking intricate details and machining and mold tooling served as the only alternative to cater to parts requiring a smooth surface finish or fine features McNano has changed this scenario by developing ESD-safe resins for what for the polymerization, thus offering a viable alternative to machining and molding. With <laughs> challenges to adoption, I always say we're trying to break a mold of a mold makers. Because hmm. traditionally those parts are done by mold making or machining, and it's it's a lot of educational conversations with potential end users of our materials about how additive manufacturing is advantageous. And as I said, the the interest is speaking up. And we we are working on a couple of case studies. We are not allowed to discuss them just yet to to showcase how it's changed really some of the production processes for our customers. Mm -hmm. In terms of applications, and I, I appreciate, again, the, the things that maybe you, you can't tell us. Um, are you, well, I guess then first I'll ask, are you able to tell us of any kind of applications McNano has enabled with these materials? And if not, what do you see looking forward as kind of the application opportunities for some of these materials with some of these ESD properties? I, I can speak to some in general terms without mm -hmm. re releasing any details, but we looked into surface mount technology nozzles. For example, it's an electronics industry. It's a pick and place nozzles that uh, a lot of times need to be custom made and typically made from uh, carbon fiber composites that is very time consuming and also costs a lot for the custom-made nozzles. We've done a lot of work on uh, JEDEC trays 
again, a lot of focus on the electronics industry in this case, obviously. Uh, some customer came to us with uh, custom grippers that they needed. They typically machine it from aluminum and wait for six weeks when we could build it within an hour for them. Uh, circular connectors, it could be defense, aerospace, and also electronic industry as well. That that's gonna be all. That's gonna be very very <laughs> high level example applications. That 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 that's come a lot to on the resin side. On the powder side, it's it's robotic. It's very resistant parts, uh, components for different uh, robot arms, and that's what we're looking into. Right, and in the in the conversations you have with customers and 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 maybe prospective customers, what What's kind of the guidance um, that they're giving you or the feedback that they're giving you in terms of of where McNano might go next and what materials it, it might might want to try and release next and make commercially available? Our formulator partners specifically expressed interest in functional like functionalizing carbon nanotubes to incorporate uh, conductivity, go beyond just static dissipative. Okay. Uh, EMI shielding and rat hardening into resins specifically. Mm -hmm. Typically, uh, EMI shielding or rat hard uh, components that are plastic, it's it's done by coating after the fact, after component is manufactured, which adds additional steps to the workflow. And uh, that's uh, there. Are quite a few interested parties in a different powder directions as well. In, generally speaking, uh, McNano is, is one of, you know, a load of a load of companies working in, in a material space of additive manufacturing. Um, and, you know, their, their purpose there is to develop and deliver more and more uh, materials options for manufacturers. What what is your assessment currently of the kind of availability of additive manufacturing materials? You know, how much progress has been made and how much progress still needs to be made on that front? That's a good one and a toughy one. Hmm. It, it was much easier 10 years ago because everything was limited to thermoplastics and rigid resins. Now the portfolio is significantly expanded just in the last decade to everything from rigid to elastic to biocompatible materials. The, the challenges I think is really on matching the performance to the injection molding materials, right? Because a lot of industry we try to convince to to invest in additive manufacturing capabilities that are used to traditional manufacturing, traditional part quality and performance. Are we there yet with materials? I don't think so. And that's why composites excite me so much because it can enhance properties of just base pure polymer significantly mm -hmm. and get uh, get 
you know, additive manufacturing materials portfolio to to a level that it 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 will never compete with injection molding in certain cases, but get to a level of wider adoption for different applications. And in, in the in the rest of the, the AM industry, how would you assess the, the progress being made in I guess hardware and software and the kind of uptake of of the technology as a as a whole? You know, the the story of AM has been kind of uh, invented as a prototyping technology and then gradually evolving to also become a production technology. Where where is AM on, on that kind of journey, do you think? We all want, you know, hardware to be faster, bigger, and exceptional quality, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even I do. Uh, I I witnessed that change from prototyping only to production and then use parts. Actually, had a meeting with customer yesterday that was showing us parts that were fully qualified additive parts for uh, highly demanding industry. And they're very excited about technology and that excitement is always excites you as a technology developer person. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, here, here's one example where we need to be from the customer. Uh, 18 inch by 12 inch build platform on the DLP machine. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that is very specific. Here, here's the part we can't find machine that will accommodate that kind of build volume. There is a traditional SLA machines, obviously, that are very large and could accommodate, but there are specific challenges to the material flow and processes as well. But I think I think witnessing the how technology moves forward, I think we're in the right path. I can't really speak to what nitty-gritty details, what else needs to be done. There is always somewhere out there coming up with absolutely new ideas. In terms of the maturation of, of the AM industry, um, a couple of, of recent guests on on our podcast have suggested in reference to the the Gartner hype cycle, the additive manufacturing technologies generally um, are kind of in the in the trough of disillusionment. So after the inflated expectations and, and pre slope of enlightenment, plateau of pr productivity. What are your thoughts on that? Where would you place, if you could, the entire industry on that on that hype cycle? I I, I still think we need to cut down on hype. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, let's just say back in 2011, I think it was an article, print me a Stradivarius and an economist. And that's mm -hmm. where the hype began, to be honest. It's like a starting point of the hype cycle that we can print anything, 3D printers is going to be in everybody's home. Some of us do have a 3D printer at home, but not all of us. And when I'm saying we still need to cut down on hype, it's I, 
interface with customers so often that they just want to print everything. Mm. And I think technology in the past, maybe not now, but take it five years back, was hyped so much that we really need to focus on educating end users when it makes to go additive and when it doesn't, because not every single part works producing the additive manufacturing processes. And that's that that's where my take on the hype cycle. I still think we need to cut down on hype and properly educate end users. So would you say, because my my next question was going to be the challenges that that AM as an industry need, still needs to overcome um, as a collective. Would you say would you put education at the at the top of that, or are there more kind of technological um, things that, that the industry needs to work on as well? We we covered technology somewhat faster, mm-hmm. bigger, larger, cheaper. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like a wish list in every single industry, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you. You can't get away from that. No. And I I think a lot of I I've seen customers that bought in the technology and then got disappointed in it. And that's right. where education comes in. Mm-hmm. And I I understand we as a for-profit organizations as company, material development, hardware, or software development, we have to sell our products yet. Personally, I do not wish my customers to be disappointed in a product if I oversell. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that happened way back. It's really overselling. I've seen people that uh, purchased hardware and they it just sits in a the corner, they never use it because it's not working for the application. It doesn't solve their needs. And that's where I'm coming from in terms of educating where it makes doing makes sense manufacturing parts using additive processes versus sticking with the traditional manufacturing processes. I think we as a community is still not there yet. I wanted to, to touch on something you said at the, the start of that, that last answer as well. Um, in terms of bigger, faster, cheaper, and that being the wish list of every industry, do you do you think then that, because we've, we've been talking internally at TCT about people discuss the challenges of the technology, let's say repeatability, and it's the same thing they've been saying for 30 years, but is it just a case of of people will never be not not happy enough, but then people will always want to to strive for that improvement. So in another thirty years, people are still going to want the technology to be, for example, more repeatable. Then we will always have jobs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if challenges remain, we we keep on working and trying to solve them. And yes, you're right. Repeatability is one of the big things. It's machine to machine variation, build to build variation. Uh, when I was at Open Additive, we were developing uh, AMSense, uh, which is a feedback loop for laser powder with fusion system that could uh, detect defects on during the build process. Because if you set up 60-hour build and it fails on the first 10 hours, then you don't want to 
continue, right? You want to mm-hmm. discard the build and restart the new one. And uh, quite a few companies are working in that direction, um, mainly in the laser powder bed. I believe somebody was doing it on the jetting as well. Uh, name escapes me right now, but that, but it doesn't solve the problem of repeatability. What it solves is not continuing your 60-hour build when it failed on, on the first few hours, right? Mm-hmm. You just discard in the part and resume again. But it's, as I said, we, we will have our jobs as far as technology is not perfect and nothing is perfect, really. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, finally, Olga, and, and thank you so much for your, for your time today, bringing it back to McNano. What can you tell us about um, what's next for the company? What can we expect to see from McNano moving forward? You can expect to see perhaps at form next, maybe, maybe not. I don't know yet. I'm going to keep it hush hush undercover. <laughs> <laughs> Release of a uh, couple of new materials for that, or three maybe. I will have to count in my head right now. I should know I'm leading <laughs> those efforts. But um, there are quite a few materials for uh, that photopolymerization with unique properties, uh, still focused on static dissipative performance, but there are different mechanical and thermal characteristics to those. Uh, we also officially announced a couple of uh, new master batches in the next few weeks and working on uh, powders and the different pellet products as well. Again, I won't dive into details for the fear of releasing something that general public is not supposed to know just yet. <laughs> <laughs>